you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fade Route. I am D, and with me as always is Z. We got a killer show for you today. We're gonna to dabble on the AL East. We're gonna talk about the first no hitter in Padres history, and what the Falcons should do with the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. But we begin today's show with the Braves getting hosed on Sunday Night Baseball. Alec Bohm was called safe, sliding into home in the top of the ninth inning, but replay showed he clearly never touched the plate. The call was reviewed by New York, and ultimately the call was upheld. Z, what is the point of us having replay in professional sports if we still can't get the calls right? Well, first off, glad to be here as always. And second of all, we wouldn't have a show without stupid bullshit like this. So, you know, he still hasn't touched home plate. I get the idea is clear and irrefutable evidence. Could he maybe have touched the, the very tip of home plate? The, ju- just the tip. I'm talking about just the tip of home plate. Maybe? And did, I mean, from the angle I saw, did Travis Darno actually tag him? Even so, I mean, if that's the case, the game should still be going on. But it's supposed to be clear. It's supposed to be incontrovertible proof that particular play is a microcosm of replay in general is that if you got to slow it down that much what the hell's the point same thing with the michael conforto hit by pitch that's another thing that was crazy that is a different thing altogether because that particular play you can't challenge it because of the legislation of the rules so it's six of one half a dozen the other it's an issue of getting the call right and the other one is legislating so that either none of it is reviewable or all of it is reviewable until then get rid of it like workshop this bro you're not it's not ready yet so wait a minute so you're actually telling me that we have to thank rob manford for not being able to view a replay and call it correctly because if it wasn't for his incompetence we wouldn't have a show that is the one instance where I would compliment Rob Manfred. In our production meeting, I said, we need to have an inter- intervention today. Like, Rob Manfred, booby. Like, between the replay issues, the state of the game, the runners on second, the seven-inning doubleheaders, which are growing on me, but still, the runner on second and extra innings, the new Atlantic League rules that they're kind of workshopping – moving back the rubber a foot or, you know, pulling the DH when the starting pitchers had like, dude, like we got to come to Jesus right now. Stop fucking with the game, please. And thank you. It is starting to not resemble the game that you or I grew up on. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of life, this probably doesn't really matter too much. I mean, they do play, 162 games. However, this was a division game. Uh, the Braves did get the chance to bat and did get the chance to score and did get to a chance to, you know, I guess tie the game or maybe even possibly win the game. But I'm with you on this. I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. Like if we're going to get this right, let's get it right. If we're not, then what's the point? And my beef with baseball is, is baseball's I feel like the one sport where we could use technology to get every play right. I am so tired of watching baseball games, them showing me visually what the strike zone is, the ball hitting that spot, and people like Angel Hernandez calling it a ball. 
Like, oh. we literally have the ability to know in live time if something is a strike or a ball without an umpire being present. Like, why isn't that – like, if we're trying to get things right, why isn't that something – why isn't that at the top of the list? Like, let's get that right. And as far as them botching a, re- a replay, the, this it's useless. Get rid of it. It doesn't work. The whole point is to get the plays right, to not cost people jobs, to not cost people games. And I don't know who was reviewing it that night, who wanted to go home, who didn't want to go into <laughs> extra innings. But, dude, that was too oblivious. At least if he touched it and it was close, we could all say, all right, it's kind of a coast play. All right, I'm over it. But he didn't even touch the plate. I mean, and it's a Sunday night primetime game. Between two division rivals, could it get any worse? Who was the first? Well, the first name I mentioned when you brought up the brought this up in the production meeting, Matt Holiday. Matt. Oh Holliday yes, yes, still yes. Still has yes. not touched home plate. Yes. From two thousand seven, two thousand seven, they've been dealing with this. That was a playoff game. Like, I mean, that's the one way it could get worse is if it decided a series, and that decide that got essentially. It jump-started the Rockies and started the whole Rocktober thing. Ultimately, the Red Sox put that shit to bed. But the wrong team won because the game should still be going on. It's 14 years later. Like most yeah, of I mean, tired. I mean, I mean, the other thing is, is some people are like, okay, okay, this was a division game. We could fix this. They're going to play each other like 10 more times. Why not just have them pick up where they left off? I don't have well, I don't have a problem with that. What's the problem with that? Like let let we have a chance to write this. Like isn't that the point of replay is to write the wrong? You can still write this wrong. You can still say, "Okay, yeah, we missed this." Like we can we can see if a batter beats out a ball. We can see if the ball goes over the fence. We can literally see balls and strikes. We can tell if people got tagged, if we can tell if they're on the plate or not. Baseball is foolproof. It's not like it's not like basketball where it's a lot of like, you know, how do I really feel as a ref about this play? Like, oh, did he really give him the body? Did he really right. bump him? Oh, both their hands are really touching the ball as it goes out of bounds. Like in, in, in basketball, it's more about the ref's feelings and really what he sees. And in football, football is just all jacked up because they've Don't got so many started. they've got so many rules on when you can use replay and when you can't. Just like, get, guys, get rid of it. Get rid of it. There's no point. If we're, Why are we trying to get right some things and wrong some other things? We're more concerned about the weight of the football than we are if somebody gets obliterated before trying to catch a pass. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm over that. But in a baseball situation where we're taking it out of the umpires on the field's hands, we're literally bringing it to a studio where they have all the camera angles, everything you could ever ask for, controlled climate, no peer pressure, make the right call. There's no God's peer pressure. Sake. There's no peer pressure when you send it to New York, but who's looking at it? Another major league baseball umpire. Maybe that's the issue. The NFL, Al Riveron is looking at it. You know, he was a referee. He's not on the field anymore. Maybe that's a situation where they need to have like an umpire emeritus who is appointed, maybe voted in by the owners and the umps. To have some, like an independent position, Angel Hernandez. Oh fuck me, <laughs> Angel Hernandez Joe, and Joe West, Joe West, Laz Diaz. Like oh my god, these guys are fucking terrible. Like, Joe West actually started. just won this huge settlement of a defamation suit where he won like five hundred thousand uh, dollars. Because somebody was saying he was fucking terrible. <laughs> somebody was being brutally honest with him, and the Dude, judge felt it, it, bad. I'm not talking. This is an unsolicited ad, but check this guy out on Twitter. He's umpire auditor. He watches most of the games, if not all of them, and he points out the most egregious of mistakes. And his tweet yesterday was Joe West. It was the serial offender. Uh, You brought him up. That's what made me think of him. It's like, oh, you missed it by three and a half inches, five and a half inches. Like, dude, like, I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, now you're swinging the complete opposite direction. Like, Eric Gregg was trying to catch a friggin', you know, dinner reservation and called shit in the other batter's box. But are we really going <laughs> to mince? We're really going to be over three inches? Are we really going to do that? As far as I'm concerned, we were talking about you know, what sport does the best. In my opinion, it's hockey. That's what everybody like, says. Everybody says hockey's it, got it right. It's either over the line or it isn't. 
uh, you're either offside or you're not. There's no gray area. And you know what? With the challenge system, we've gone over this. And I know you're not, you haven't been a fan of it. But it was just like, if you get it wrong, you get a penalty. Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah. you know, at that point, maybe there should be some repercussions about the challenge system aspect of it. But we're talking about the overall replay and how it's being fucked up. But it's getting, it's fucked up because you're leaving it in the hands of the umps. But the I, other, I think we might be on something here with this whole independent guy. But the other part is, is like, I'm, I am okay in baseball, like it being left to human error. Like if it's a bang, bang play, if if it's a bang, bang play, like this play really kind of was, and the ump misses it just because of the angle he was looking at it, I can live with that. I cannot live with this going to a panel or going to a person who's watching this on TV and says, oh, yeah, he's safe. (laughs) No, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with um... (laughs) – it's like, like there's got to be someone else in the room that says, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Are you sure you want to say that? Like, I've, I've, <laughs> sa- I've, sa- I've sat in an NFL booth before. I've been on a panel where we decided if we were going to replay something or not. And once or twice, I've raised my hand and be like, listen, I don't agree with it. Or I think you need to look at it again. Give it a minute. Watch a replay. Like, you're telling me nobody was like, look at it one more time. Like, even if you're afraid, like let's say he's like eight levels above you and you don't want to really step on his toes or maybe you really do want to go home. You don't say, want to just look at that one more time. You sure you want to go that route? Is this really what you want to do? And I, and my best guess is somebody did say that and whoever was there was like, fuck him. I want to go home. That's the only, that's the only thing I can think of. There's no way you can look at that and say, this guy was safe. Clearly, he was safe. Clear. I mean, clearly, I mean, that one was definitely one of the more gray area calls. But it definitely re- replay is here because of the fucked up easy calls, like the ground. Like, remember Armando Galarraga? Yes, that was terrible. That, that something like that. Jim Joyce needed to get overruled. Replay is designed to stop that. Gray area calls where he still may have touched the tip of home plate. Like maybe. I don't know, but it's really major league baseball put in replay to agree to overturn the egregious calls that cost Armando Galarraga a a perfect game. Like that is like, but you know what? The other part about that was Joyce was a stand up guy and was like, I missed it. I messed up. Like he came out and he's like, I messed it up. I, I missed it. And he was, he was a stand up guy about it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to badger him and belittle Joyce because he's a stand-up guy and came out and said he missed it. And, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with you missing it in lifetime, but what I'm not okay with is this thing going, this thing going to a replay in New York, people looking at it and being like, yeah, he was safe. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Pop Stars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Pop Stars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Pop Stars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Pop Stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, but speaking of no hitters since we brought up Armando Galarraga let us speak the name of not only the first no hitter of the season but the first no hitter in San Diego Padres history Joe Musgrove of El Cajon California had the cojones to pitch a no hitter on the road against the Rangers nine innings no runs 10 strikeouts, and the only reason it wasn't a perfect game is because he hit Joey Gallo. Is that a bigger deal than the Fernando Tatis Jr. injury where it looks like he might miss some uh, an indefinite amount of time with this shoulder problem? 
Well, I I think anytime you pitch a a no hitter, it's a big deal. So I'm gonna give it to Joe. Hats off to him, hometown guy, uh, and just over the moon for what he accomplished there. And I believe uh, who's the catcher? It was Caterini? Caratini, yeah, Victor Caratini, yeah. Caratini, who caught the no hitter last year by by a Cub, so he's caught like back to back no hitters. Um, yeah, super super happy for Joe uh, and the the whole thing with the Tatis Junior. I, I I think this is a big problem. Like they're trying to get him back into the lineup by Friday. Listen, Man. I've I've had a partial tear in my labrum before, and it is pain. It takes your breath away when you reach out or put your arm in a position that, you know, maybe you're trying to throw a ball or trying to extend yourself. Now, granted, it is his left arm, so he partially dislocated it. I didn't even know he could partially dislocate something. And he partially (laughs) tore his labrum. I think this is a problem. I think they've invested a lot in this guy. They might want to think about just sitting him down. Agreed. You know, slow your roll here. He's still a kid. And granted, yeah, it's his non-throwing shoulder. But you know what? You still need two arms to hit. So at the end of the day, this is going to bother him for a while. And would you rather he heal his labrum or rush him back? And it's a full tear. And now he's got Tommy John and he's out for the year. Like, or, or do you really want to risk that with a guy you just signed to a monster contract? Do you... I get the expectations. I understand that. That's why you brought in the Korean player, Kim. Like, he's there. He's, I mean, he's playing. He's in the lineup. You're not, you're not in such a dire strait where it's September. If it was September and you're fighting for the division and the Dodgers are breathing down your neck or vice versa, I understand wanting to kind of do that and kind of, push through the pain but not in april not at all i just i just think like you said there's so much invested in this guy and in his future there's no point from what i'm reading they're trying to teach they're trying to talk to him about not sliding head first they're trying to change his swing so he has more of a two-handed swing and not to lead so much with his left hand it's like now you're going to try to change the way this kid plays the game just just you know, it's unfortunate this happened, and apparently he's dislocated his shoulder a couple of times before. I, I'm not so much concerned about the shoulder, the shoulder part, uh, the dislocation. It's more about the labrum, where you don't want a full tear, and you don't want your best player pain, playing with pain all the time. So, no, totally. And so, and it's like you said, they they have they have a person there that can maybe fill in, and even if it, the whole thing is is What's good about labrums is you can heal it by resting it. If you mm-hmm. rest it for a long enough period of time, it, it does tend to heal. But everybody's timetable on that is different. No, absolutely. Everybody is different. But it, it's one of those things that I didn't hear that report, but it immediately triggered some uh, a story that I heard years ago. You remember when the Mets brought in Kaz Matsui? Yes. And Jose Reyes got hurt? Yeah. They tried to reteach him how to run on the fly so that his gait was different is because he kept getting hamstring injury after hamstring injury after hamstring. Like that's the same thing. You're going to change the way this guy plays to the point where he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. I don't think that's necessarily something you need to do. I mean, just let the kid be him. Like you said, dislocations happen all the time. A couple of years ago, Michael Conforto dislocated his shoulder and he hasn't had a problem since, but he had a problem in college and it flared up again. These things happen. You pop it back into place as long as there's no structural damage. You kind of have to live with the situation. With with this, thankfully, it's not his throwing shoulder again. But I, I think you're just going to, you know, don't mess with the kid. J- just let him rest up. And the more important thing is to teach him when to, you know, kind of back off a little bit on going all out with your hair on fire. I think that's a little bit more important because you have – you have. Guys who fake hustle, he seems to be really hustling. 
And there, you don't need to hustle on every single play. Yeah, like, kind of, I, I hate to sound like that, but you don't have to do. Yeah, that. you know what? It also it kind of reminds me of like Bryce Harper in the beginning. Remember Bryce Harper was wild in the beginning. Like yeah, he's running into that, walls, his helmet's coming off, he's running all over the place. So it, it's a little bit. It's kind of a, a little bit of that. So I mean, I do. I think he needs. <laughs> I think he needs to maybe take it down a notch. But one, one team that's not taking it down a notch is the is the Blue Jays beating up on the Yankees. Yankees lost again today. Uh, the You know, they were almost swept by the Rays over the weekend. Surprisingly, the Red Sox are in first, mainly because J.D. Martinez. We're going to talk about that later in the show. Nine and, in and, a row. And the Blue Jays are showing that. You know, our predictions could be right, but, you know, what what do you make of the Yankees' woes and the current state of the AL East? Well, you're never as good as you look, and you're never as bad as you look. The Yankees are 5-7 and seven right now. They're in DFL in the AL East. I don't expect that to continue. What bothers me, the pitching is solid. It's been interesting how solid the pitching has been. Behind Cole, eh, it's still an adventure. But the bullpen's been decent. Hitting, is de- they are thoroughly <laughs> mediocre. They are 19th in the league in runs. 15th in batting average, yeah, batting average, antiquated statistics, whatever. They still keep track of it. So they're literally the middle in batting average. They're not getting on base. They're at 320 on base percentage, and they're slugging 367. The New York Yankees, the Bronx fucking Bombers, they are slugging 367. So the offense is anemic, to say the least. Garrett Cole is turning into Jacob deGrom, but Jacob deGrom is used to it by now. So, hey, whatever. Um Stanton, meh. Judge, meh. LeMahieu has been struggling. Like that, I mean, you were concerned about that when he signed the contract. So definitely, right. I, I, I get that. Gary Sanchez has his head up his ass, but Gary Sanchez always has his head up his ass. He got caught in between on advancing on a pass ball and got gunned down. Like, dude, <laughs> oh, you know, what, your, your ass is anchored to first base. Like, don't even think about it. Where you know, are you going? I, I don't know. Like Luke, Luke Voigt coming back isn't going to help the issue with this team. It's too right-handed. It's too power-laden. We can go on and on and on. I feel like we've mentioned this at least 15 times. This is our 34th episode. We've it mentioned it like 20 times how the Yankees are too right-handed and they're too power-laden. Uh, and at this point, you're going to have to like, – yeah, you're going to have to get rid of some of these guys. And if they turn into something somewhere, somewhere else, then they do it. Like just – you're, you need to make fundamental changes on this team, Brian Cashman. Listen I, to my voice. I think there's more at play. I think it's really the batting order. Uh, I think we both were trying to figure this out over the weekend. So, like, if Gary Sanchez was batting in the three-hole and hitting as bad as Aaron Hicks, like, no. what they would – the Yankee fans would set this man on fire. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> – I just – why is Aaron – wait – why does Aaron Hicks get a pass? Why why did he lead off today? <laughs> why why is why is Brett Gardner on the Yankees? Why is Brett Gardner batting third? Why does DJ LeMahieu lead off? Hicks, Judge, Gardner. This that was the this this was the lineup today. Hicks, Judge, Gardner, Sanchez. They lost before they even took the field. I remember back in the day that Billy Martin, when their team was going bad, used to pick names out of a hat. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, is that it? Is it is like Mad Libs type shit? I mean, I know I get the structure is that your best hitter now bats second to get him more ABs, but I don't believe in that philosophy. I want table setters, I want my boppers, and I want my scrubs. Like that's you know the since the dawn of time, since they started keeping score, since we were in little league for Christ's sake, you had your table setters you had your boppers and then you had your scrubs the guys who had to play because you had to play uh i just i just don't know how much longer john carlos is going to be on this team it's like yeah he hits bombs every like 15 at bats i mean i've seen him go over five like twice already uh he's bad bad <laughs> like uh i don't know what i would do i don't know i don't really know what i would do with the lineup to me they're I know they like Baton Judge second, but 
I mean, I'm with you. I I like I like I like my order a little differently. I I think my best hitter should bat third, uh, and and I think the best hitter is DJ Lemayu. I mean, that's just me. Um, yeah, Brett Gardner put him at the end. Aaron Hicks. I don't even know why Aaron Hicks is on the team. Let Clint Frazier play. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sanchez. Let Sanchez bat fifth. I mean, just let him bat fifth. Whatever. Stanton bat sixth because. I don't know what you are anymore. You're like, you're almost a tweener at this point. I don't, uh, and judge, give the judge bat fourth. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then one and two, I don't know, flip a coin. Who cares? Cause it doesn't matter. You're going to get out anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> does it really matter? Let's, let's just get you, let's just get you out and get it over with. Uh, where's Anduhar? Like what the fuck? Yeah, and Duhar still hurts, so he's a ways away, and so is you know. But he doesn't solve the problem. And Gliber, and, 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 Gliber and Gliber Torres, like, what happened to you, bro? Like, come on. He, if anything, he should really be the leadoff guy. He should be the second. He should be like Javi Baez at this point. Oh. Why isn't he? Why isn't he? Why isn't he so much better? And in my opinion, it has a lot to do with the fact that he moved his ass to shortstop because he's not a shortstop. He's a third, no. second baseman. Put him back to second base. You just signed DJ Lemayhew, so what are you gonna do? Like, are, are you Ben Zobersting your best player? Yeah, gonna have to. I didn't design this team. Cashman did. Well, I mean, if we design <laughs> this team, if both of us design this team, this might be an exercise in a future show. I think I that you're on to something here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just dealing with the cards and dealt here. I can't really win with this lineup like this. It's just, it's just not gonna work. I where's the only top, one on the team? Let's get top by birth. Let's get Talkman back up here. At least he steals bases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Talkman. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Talkman is anymore because he had such a colossally down year. Was he the guy from 2019? Is he the guy from 2020? Cashman and Boom, because Cashman, as we know, is running this show. He refuses and he's, or he's afraid <laughs> to put the uniform on and step in the dugout. Mike <laughs> Talkman doesn't know what he is anymore because of this Fucking bald-headed, peanut-headed some bitch. Love you, Brian. We'd love to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I think it's a mess. Um, and it seems like the other teams in their division figured it out. Rays are pitching well. They're doing what they're expected to do hitting-wise. Blue Jays are going for it, man. They're, their young guys are hitting. Red Sox are surprising everybody. They lost their first three games. Haven't lost anything since. Devers. We're gonna like I said, we're gonna talk about JD Martinez later, and uh, you know, the Orioles Orioles don't give a shit. The Orioles don't give a shit, and they're in fourth. Like what the yeah. fuck? The, the Orioles are playing respect respectable. Like they, I mean, they're they're playing like they got nothing to lose because they don't have anything to lose. So they the Yankees don't. they got to write the ship in fast, man. If that does that mean a trade? Does that mean some kind of manager? Does it mean a coaching change? Like usually that's the first one that happens. They don't blame the players. Eventually, you got to blame the players. Yeah, yeah, but I just, I mean, like, like we said, it's like who, who, who constructed this, this disaster? But, but, uh, moving on to uh, speaking of constructing a disaster. Yeah, speaking of constructing a disaster, you know, well, we've been talking a lot about the NFL draft, and we've really been focusing on, you know, who the Jaguars are going to take, who the Jets are going to take. And, you know, ultimately who the 49ers are going to take. But there hasn't been a lot of talk about what the Falcons should do at four. Falcons are in a prime position where they could trade back. They could take a quarterback. They could take uh, offensive offensive weapons, maybe offensive tackle, or even a defensive skilled player. So what do you see the Falcons doing? And how does that compare with what the Falcons should do? Well, let's be let's look at this from an objective scenario here. You're going in with a new head coach in Arthur Smith, who is the most pedestrian offense I've ever seen. Give the ball to Henry. Just give the ball to Henry. Well, he's not going to draft a running back because that would be insane. Matt Ryan is in the tail end of his career, and even when he was in his prime, he wasn't very good. You got Julio. He's the only guy on this team that I trust. Yeah, you got Hayden Hurst. You got Gage. You have Ridley. It's Julio. You're getting the fourth best quarterback if you draft a quarterback. Let, let's let's break it down. Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Either Wilson or Jones is going number two. Either Wilson or Jones is going number three. So that leaves you with Lance, Trask, Fields, or somebody else. 
do you really want to do that? Do you really want to be saddled with maybe the fourth to seventh best quarterback? If I'm the Atlanta Falcons, like I am dangling this pick. And I am just trying to build up the rest of my team. So I got one more run with Matt Ryan. And I hope to God he retires <laughs> at the end of the year. That that's just my strategy if I'm if I'm them. I'm thinking I'm calling the Bears. Maybe Tariq Cohen. They're suckers. Yeah, exactly. Give me Tariq Cohen. Give me Tariq Cohen and a package of picks. And you can have the number four pick. Maybe that call me crazy. That that solves my running problem. I think and... you're calling the right team for sure. <laughs> but what did, do you think? I mean, they, am I being too logical about this? Then call the Rams after that. Those guys really know how to trade picks. Uh, I think. I mean, you know, when we first when we first were talking about this in the production meeting, I was like, "Yeah, I think they're set on offense. Uh, I think they really just need help on the defensive side of the ball." Um, I kind of agree with you. Like, let's make one more run with this group, like Julio and Matt Ryan. I just – the problem is, is their division is is kind of stacked right now um, in terms of just really the Buccaneers returning all their starters. It's like, how, what are you going to do this year to beat the Buccaneers, Matt? <laughs> uh, my, my, my initial thing is maybe trade back. Um, trade back and, and take like a – you know, build up that defense, get Micah Parsons from Penn State, who's a middle linebacker, maybe steal the Cowboys picks, Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Um, or if you do want to stick with offense, maybe you do draft Chase from LSU. He could be mm-hmm. the heir apparent to Julio because Julio doesn't – I don't think he has many more years left playing at a high level. Or you actually just mentioned that they're coming. Uh, Arthur Smith is the coach, and he's used to having Derrick Henry. Maybe you trade back, and then you take a Najee Harris, or maybe you just take Najee Harris at five and say, "Fuck it, we'll just take Najee Harris." What do we care? We're the we're Falcons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not sure why Najee Harris isn't getting more love because he he was really good. Um, because of the core, it's the running back situation. Like, yeah, you don't want the, the Kajana Carter situation, with yeah. Salam situation, yeah. Saquon Barkley, like there, Cedric Benson. There are as many busts as there are, you know, right, stars. Right. So, I mean, that's that's the kind of the route I would go. Unless Mac Jones falls to four, I'm not touching a quarterback. I do like Trask, but I wouldn't take Trask at four. I you could trade back and get Trask, and I I like him. I've been talking to you about him, you know, since he declared. I I, I mean, he's a thrower. I mean, it's, he just needs to be taught how to how to how to play. And and, and this who and better this, do that, who right? Do that Matt Ryan. Oh, well, Matt Ryan. Well, Arthur Smith. I mean, he got Tannehill, you know, out of out of the Gase system, which was great. Uh, so. So um, if they were looking for a gay reclamation project, why didn't they go get Sam Darnold? Yeah. <laughs> but I do think they should trade out because they do need the picks. I think they need help on maybe they need a tackle. They don't they don't need a tight end. I think Hurst is their guy. Um so yeah, I mean you're just trying to compete. You're trying to compete for the number two spot, right? And I, I do think the Panthers are gonna come at you this year. I do think the Darnell the Darnold pickup was great for them. And uh, you would you would assume that the Saints are going to take a step back with Winston or whatever they plan to do. But that's another team you might want to call. I know they don't like to do divisional trades, but you know what do you again? You're the Falcons. You you were up twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl. So what do you, what does it matter? <laughs> you got nothing to lose. I'm getting hungry over here should have cooked up some dinner and if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge check out as you eat it on youtube hosted by me chef z i invite you into my home and show you what and how i cook when i'm off the clock as a chef instructor you're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level cook how you want to cook eat how you want to eat eat as you eat it that's as you eat it available only on youtube az you eat it Check it out and let's get cooking. Speaking of nothing to lose, Hideki Matsuyama won it all in Augusta. That's right. The first ever 
Japanese winner of the Masters, finished the tournament 10 under par. Round four wasn't that great. He finished at a one over, but who cares? He's taking home $11.5 million in a green jacket. So, <laughs> Dustin Johnson didn't have the best of weekends. Uh, you have three Americans. You had Will Zalatoris, Xander Shifley, and Jordan Spieth finishing in the top five, along with John Rahm, who finished the tournament at a six under par. So, congratulations to Matsuyama, or did he just capitalize on a situation? No, I mean, he had not. I mean, you know, even though the, the Masters was Sunday, we, we feel like we need to talk about it. It is a pretty big deal. It's a, you know, we're, we're an all around sports show here. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it, I think it was, I think it was a great accomplishment by him. First Japanese born male golfer to win a major championship. Uh, Japan is uh, funny enough is the second largest golf market in the world. I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah. J- Johnson missed the cut. Uh, he he basically won this thing on Saturday. He sat he shot a sixty five on Saturday. That that's just super impressive, and like he he only still won. He only won by a uh, shot. And really, his main competitor, you know, had uh, had some trouble down the stretch there. Uh, I, I'm thinking this could be a big thing. I'm not saying he's the Tiger Woods of golf here, but he could really open up the Japanese market a little bit more if he can stay on a roll. He's been a top golfer for almost 10 years now. He He's won some tournaments. He just hasn't won majors, uh, but he he's definitely going to be competing uh, moving forward, I think so. Well, I mean, we've seen this before. The one-hit wonders. You've seen your Charles, Charles Schwartzels, your Danny Willits, your Angel Cabreras. You've seen a bunch of guys that are, this is their only major that they've won. So it's up to Matsuyama to kind of stay out of that. So definitely, you know, he's got the opportunity to really kind of extend his career and just kind of build upon this. So he's a solid golfer. He's, he didn't, he's not somebody that, you know, just came out of nowhere. So I, I think his career will be fine, but you start, you gotta start looking at some of the other guys like Rory McIlroy. What the fuck are you doing, man? Like, yeah, and, you thought, and you thought you were going to play well. Like everybody just, thinks they're yeah. I mean, Spieth actually played well. Spieth was up there. Uh, DeChambeau was in, I think, the 40s. Yeah. Um, it's just golf is such a weird game. It's just like you could just show up one day and have it, and you can show up other days and just not even make the cut. Oh, totally. Uh, and the field is so deep. It's not like it's a set bracket like in tennis. You know, it's just like, you know, you're 32, 64. No, it's as many guys as you want to muster. You know, whoever qualifies, qualifies, or whoever has a sponsor's exemption. So, like, like you said, it's very fickle. And you're also, it's the elements, you know? How do they grow the green? Is it, two, is it two inches high or did they trim it this year? Is the rough, how rough is the rough? How many trees are there? It, there's, you're playing the course as much as you're playing the, uh, your opponents. Yeah, you're really just playing the course. And it's just, did you have it today? That's what it really comes down to. I think some people have it some days and some people don't. Uh, I've only played golf a handful of times. And the idea that people can hit the ball straight or hit the ball exactly where they want to on a consistent basis is is just ludicrous to me. I mean, you put a baseball, you throw me a baseball, I can put it anywhere I want, I think. Uh, I can go the opposite way. I can pull it. I can go up the middle. But with a golf ball, something sitting there and I don't know. It's it's just remarkable how some of these people do this as a profession. No, it's it's amazing, but you know, it, it is a credit to them. It's a dedication. So it's definitely it's as much mental as it is physical. So, you know, the, the yips are a very real thing and it definitely is exposed more so in golf than almost any other sport. Speaking of exposed, that Lakers net game. Kyrie and Jaron Schroeder get ejected after going at each other. No Harden, no Davis, no Kuzma. I mean, KD is on a minute restriction. So, you know, is Adam Silver proud of this? I mean, no LeBron. uh, No no LeBron. LeBron. Yes, thank you. No LeBron. Like, imagine if more people were in that building. Like, is this something that Adam Silver is going to put on his highlight reel and say, hey, I did this? How do you sell this? Like, how do you sell this to marketing people? How how is how does this look? How does this look for your brand? I mean, this is supposed to be a potential NBA Finals, and right. 
this wasn't even close with these guys that were missing and people that really weren't even playing, it seems. And I just, I don't know how owners, NBA owners can look around and say, this guy is really doing a good job Uh, because I think it's a joke. Uh, I think with everything going on, I mean, you watch, you watch ESPN these days, they're leading off get up is basically a football show. Like every single morning when they start their show, all they're doing is talking about is football. And we're right in the thick of basketball season. And how, how does that how does that work out? Like how, how do you look at that and you're like, "Oh, we're doing good things here." Kyrie Irving just decides to take Monday off just because personal reasons? Uh I I don't I don't know I don't know how many people are signing up to go to an NBA basketball game or are even going to seriously make sure they watch it on TV. Because if it's me, if I, like, for instance, like, let's say a couple of years ago, I drove to Cleveland, okay, to see LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers play the Golden State Warriors with KD and basically was a rematch of the finals. If I drove eight hours to go see that game to find out that, you know what, LeBron got hurt, AD got hurt. Now, uh, I'm sorry, let's let's rewind. Like, if I drove eight hours to see that game and I find out Dwayne Wade got into an altercation with Steph Curry, so they both got kicked out of the game. LeBron James isn't playing the game. Uh, KD was on a minutes restriction. And and, uh, Kevin Love just didn't feel like playing that day. What? What did I drive all the way to Cleveland for? That's a very fair point, and that's something that Adam Silver needs to address because the inmates are running the asylum. Let's just be real here. You're on minutes restrictions. You're having built-in rest days. Like, if I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Now, Michael Jordan played 82. All the damn time. Look at John Stockton. John Stockton. John Stockton is last year only missed like five games. He played 81 all the time. Every time. Every season, they were there. Carl Malone was there. Like David Robinson was there. Tim Duncan, not that far removed from the NBA. He was there. So you guys are so special. You guys are such a finely tuned machine that you can't play a back-to-back like, what is the old saying that Joe DiMaggio played that said? Like, I play like I do every day because somebody out there hasn't watched me or some kid, at, someone's kid hasn't See watched me, for me the play, first something time. like that. Somebody's yeah. watching me for the first time. But yeah. the other part is, is like, I, I don't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with you taking a day off. I honestly don't. Some people need it. Some people do need their bodies to recover. But then I don't think we're playing the right amount of games. Maybe we need to play less games. Maybe we need to make the games mean a little bit more. Like right now, the 76ers are playing the the Brooklyn Nets. Right. And it's almost like they're joking about it because not everybody not everybody's getting up for the game. Harden's out. People are people are not playing. It's it, it you know, the, the the Sixers are taking it seriously because they just want to beat the Nets like everybody else. But if at the end of the day the Nets players miss all these games and they still manage to be a one seed, then I think we have a problem with how what, many games yeah, we're what, playing. What does that tell you? And then you also couple that with the 7 through 10 tournament, right? So the top six in each conference are really playing for seeding. I mean, not much more than that. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. Like, maybe they'll try to avoid a matchup or get home court. I mean, maybe. But 7 through 10, they're playing for something. They're even complaining about that. Luka Doncic has come out. Mark Cuban has come out complaining about the 7 through 10 tournament. I yell, like, you're coming off as whiny, guys. You're coming off as whiny. Kendrick Perkins, like, I don't agree with a lot of what Kendrick Perkins says, but he's right on. Just shut up. Shut up. time for the mail route on the fade route if you want to join us email fade route mail at gmail.com questions comments picks you name it 
faderoutemail at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls, we've got a fresh batch of emails for you guys. And remember, if you want to be on, hit us up at faderoutemail at gmail.com and you, yes, you, may be featured on our show. The first email comes from Donnie in Prince George, Virginia. Welcome back, repeat emailer. Hey guys, Henrik Lundqvist tried to come back and he's shutting it down this year. At this point, should he just retire? Yeah, uh, I feel bad, but I mean, when you're messing with your heart, I mean, that's kind of serious. Uh, I think he should have maybe walked away a few years ago. I felt like he really hurt those Ranger teams down the stretch. Um, in his heyday, he was averaging, you know, 2.4, 2.4 goals against. The last three years, it's been hovering around three. His career save percentage was around 918, and right now it's around 909. Uh, I understand what the Caps were trying to do by taking him, right? They were trying to mm-hmm. land a veteran goaltender for the playoffs, and uh, I just think I just think his, his, his days are over. If he called it quits today, he is a, without a doubt, Hall of Famer. Wow, you think that highly of him. Huh? I think that highly of him. He single-handedly carried a franchise on his back out of the lockout and made it relevant again. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, congratulations, Mr. Lundquist. You deserve to be a Hall of Famer. Anything you do after this will only sully your legacy. I get it. You want to come back. You want to chase that cup. That's what you were doing this year. Let's be honest. Only half of it was trying to stick it up the Rangers' ass. The other half was that was selfishly motivated. You got your you got your Vesna, you're a two-time all-star, you're a legit legend. Just go. No one will think any worse of you. Just go out now. It's okay. Email number two comes from Mike in Chicago. All right, here we go. Julian Edelman retired. How will you remember him? It's a fantastic I, question. Yeah, I mean, I got a couple of things to say about Julian. I'll remember him as a better version of Wes Welker. He basically okay. studied under Wes Welker. He mastered that craft, and he did it way better. Um, I'll always remember the catch against the Falcons in the Super Bowl and his quickness over the middle of the field. Not bad for a seventh-round quarterback, you know. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we were debating, uh, uh, you know, off of offline was, is he a hall of famer? Um, It's kind of tough because he has rings and he's number two all time in postseason receptions. And he's 25 ahead of the next guy. That's pretty impressive. Uh, A lot of people argue, well, you know, if Heinz Ward's not in the hall of fame, then Julian Edelman shouldn't be in the hall of fame. I I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's an, an argument that can be made. Uh, I, it, 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 I think it's possible. We'd, we'd have to see how it plays out the next couple of years, but he's retiring top five in postseason receptions, and some of the guys he's surrounded by are definitely Hall of Famers, such as like Reggie Wayne, Jerry Rice, and Rob Gronkowski. I don't know if Heinz Ward is an accurate player comp, personally. I mean, he played – you know, 70 more games. So, like, you know, it's one of those things that the numbers the, the numbers are going to be in Hyden's Ward's favor. But, yeah, I'm not going to – I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. He's a very good player, but that's the whole thing. The New England Patriots system had one great player and a bunch of good players, and that's what made the system run. Like, Gronkowski kind of outkicked his coverage. Because nobody knew what he was going to be out of Arizona. For Julian Edelman to come in as a seventh-round pick and do what he did, like, that's great. Good. that You had a wonderful career. That catch against the Falcons is one that's going to be remembered. Uh, uh, for, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Super Bowl champ, you know, failed his physical, and they released him. I, like, think, he also, I think he also had a pass against 
the Ravens in the AFC Championship game one year to Danny Amendola, which was phenomenal. Danny Amendola, who's like another lesser version of Julian Edelman. He's like the dollar tree Julian Edelman. Right, right. I mean, solid player, unspectacular numbers. I mean, only 36 career touchdowns. Like, let's be real here. In a a results-based industry, like, that's pretty surprising. I didn't realize it was that low. But ultimately, he'll be remembered fondly, especially in Pat's Nation. And I don't know. I just got this feeling in the back of my mind that he's not done. You know? Yeah, he failed the physical and he got cut by the Patriots. I'm sure he sent out a text to Tom before he decided, I'm going to hang him up. Like, it just just feels too – it feels too right to get the get, wow, get the band back together. Wow, you're right about that touchdown number. That is significant. It's low, right? Low. Wow. Oh my god. I had to look that up. I was like, really? That's all? Holy shit. Uh, crazy. No, I, I I I don't I don't think they really need him in Tampa. He's kind of like he's he's a I don't think he can play anymore. I just I, it was funny cuz I think it was 2 years ago or last year Patriots are going to no huddle, and you could just tell he was exhausted because he was the only one getting open, catching the ball. And on one play, he literally caught the ball in the line of scrimmage. He could, he tried to make a move, and he just fumbled the ball. I mean, somebody tackled him and then picked the ball up and ran it back for a touchdown. Like he was just exhausted. You could only do so much. You can only be the one guy on a bad team, you know, on a bad offense. So, like last year with Cam Newton, nobody's getting separation. So, like, he had to, you know, and he had no touchdowns last year. So, like, maybe he sees the writing on the wall as much as the, the Patriots do. So, we'll see. Next up, we have a third email today from Chris in Albany. Guys, the trade deadline in the NHL just went down. Lots of trades happened. Which one will be the most impactful? I'll, I'm going to take this one first, if you don't mind. I really like what the Washington Capitals did, getting Anthony Mantha from the Red Wings. Proven goal scorer, granted, is for Detroit, best player on a bad team. But I like the haul that the Red Wings got. They got Jakob Verona, they got Richard Panic, and they got picks. They got this year's first-round pick, and they got next year's second-round pick. Another, t- another trade that was really good was the Devils and Islanders trade. And, you know, you never see interdivision, especially in between the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils. That's, like, almost sacrilegious. But... When you think about who's running the Islanders, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world with Lou Lamarillo bringing in Travis Ajak and Kyle Palmieri. So, you know, good job by them getting those guys. And a sneaky one. I like this one a lot. You're looking at the trade that brought Nick Felino to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You bring a guy with playoff edge, you bring in a guy who's captain of the team, so he has leadership intangibles. And on 50% of his salary. So, no, excuse me, on 25% of his salary. So you're actually saving a little bit of money there. So all in all, like those three trades, I think were great. Yeah, I think there was a lot of action. Uh, I think there were a lot of winners and losers. But to me... The best trade was the Blue Jackets uh, trading uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Tampa Bay Lightning getting uh, Savard. Mm. I think they added. I think they added good size to their team and a really good defenseman. And I think it's going to set them up um, for a nice run. What do you think about and Taylor Taylor's- Hall? Like Taylor Hall's a former MVP in this league, and he's getting moved around a lot. Yeah, it's kind of odd to me. You would think that his skill set somebody would want to hold on to him and they're just not feeling it. Uh, and, and you know what? The, the lightning people, people don't realize like the lightning just seem to get it right. Don't they? Like they seem to be always competing and they win. They, 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 they win more championships than people realize. Oh, totally. I mean, they, they're always in it. So, the, and the good thing about their team is that they're always tinkering to make it better and try and keep it under the salary cap. So, like, I, I like what they're doing. Hopefully, hopefully it benefits them in the long run. They, I mean, they are the defending Stanley Cup champions. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, they got to catch Florida. They're going to have the, – the Florida Panthers are having a really good season, like as, as quiet as it's kept because it's the Florida freaking Panthers. So we're, we're going to see where that around. goes. 
And a bonus. All right, I'm, a bonus email, I'm gonna boys read, and girls. I'll read the last one. I'll read the last one. Uh, all right, so this comes from Brian in Colorado. Uh, so how good is J.D. Martinez? I feel like he has 20 RBI. He's batting over 500 and limited at bats. When is he going to slow down? Well, to be real, that's not his real stat line. He he has 16 RBI and he's batting around 378 and 45 at bats. But this guy, I mean, this guy, he just lives to crush the baseball. He's constantly looking at his at bats. He's constantly looking at pitchers and the pitches he's getting. He's an animal. He, you know, they pay him a lot of money to play there for the Boston Red Sox, and he earns every dime of it so when's he gonna slow down well hopefully he slows down next time i play him in fantasy baseball because he single-handedly beat me this last two weeks so i'm glad to see him go but i don't see him slowing down anytime soon and it, it looks like a lot of credit needs needs to go to the coaching staff with the the red sox they seem to they seem to have gotten them ready to play despite everyone really writing them off well even if you regress to the mean for J.D. Martinez, he's a career 291 hitter, right? So that's still pretty damn good. So even if he bottoms out and he's just he's not able to carry the team like he like he's doing right now, he's still a 291 career hitter, 243 home runs, 754 ribbies in his career. The guy can hit, that's for sure. Is he helped by Fenway Park? Absolutely is helped by everybody is helped by Fenway Park. So let's not go crazy here. But like I said before, you're never as great as you appear to be, and you're never as dog shit as you appear to be. So regression to the meme will happen pretty soon as you know teams start to get a little bit more tape on him, see what his tendencies are this year and how to exploit those tendencies. Will it be next week? Probably not. But over the long haul, he's definitely not going to be as equatorially hot as he is right now. That's just the way baseball is, and that's what makes it the perfect sport. And remember, boys and girls, if you want to get on this segment with us, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com. Hit us up on IG, faderoutepodcast, or hit us up on Twitter, faderoutednz. If it's good enough, you might be on the show. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Order up. We're keeping this order up train going, boys and girls. Last week, we did the top five basketball movies of all time. This week, we're ordering up our top five baseball movies. And I got to say, this This was was so hard. (laughs) This is so hard. This is hard. So what do you got? From five to one. All right. Uh, All right. So. (laughs) <laughs> it was so hard. All right, so at number five, I have Major League Two. Uh, Major you League and two? I can quote. You, you and I can quote this movie all day long. Wild thing, you make my butt sting. I detest you. <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the Randy Quaid, uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, it's just a, it's just a great movie. Number four. And I'd be shocked if this wasn't on your list. I have Angels in the Outfield. I just could not leave this movie off my list. Probably the best acting performance of Dan- Tony Danza's career. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's number that's number that's number four for me. And number three, I, you're probably surprised in where I have this ranked, but I got the Sandlot. Uh, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Man, you can't can never go wrong with that. 
Number two is a league of its own. Uh, Jimmy Dugan is probably my favorite character in any sports movie ever. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. That's good advice. Good advice. Uh, Number one, I know it's a recent one, but I watch it every time it's on. It's Moneyball. I know it's recent, but I can't help but watch it. Uh, I love Brad Pitt in the movie. I love Moneyball in general. I like what Billy Bean was trying to do. And when you get the answer you're looking for, hang up. <laughs> All so great my choices. List. My goodness. They're, like You mentioned something that I didn't even – like Major League Two. Like That one was very like, – But wait, there's, there's, there's so many more that we could discuss after your list. That, oh, my that God. Would, I have that, like I, – I, I have like six honorable mentions, but we'll we'll start with we'll we'll do our top five list. But you know what right. I'm looking for, like, is a good representation of the game of baseball as well as a great story. So you will not see the scout on my list. That movie fucking sucks, and whoever whoever wrote that should be shot. Okay, like not not even as a baseball fan, as a movie fan, like dude. I as a man, as a man, <laughs> deep in my soul, I couldn't get anything in Hollywood. But this, I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> That's right. I'm a man. I watch movies. Number five for me is The Sandlot. Actually, so as far as youth yeah. baseball movies, this one was hard. It was. I mean, you have Rookie of the Year. You have Little Big League. You have Angels in the Outfield. You have the Bad News Bears. Both versions. But for me, The Sandlot definitely edged it out. I liked. The cast, and it's such an iconic movie that they're still doing reunions. Number four, I have Field of Dreams. Like, there's nothing like, okay, when I was a kid, this movie would not be on the list. It's slow, it's a character movie. Like, the baseball is, it's not about the on the field, but it's a, I mean, as a guy with daddy issues, you really can't go wrong with this movie with baseball as the backdrop for a father and his son. Like number 3, A League of Their Own, great movie. Like Tom Hanks, one of his best works and you know, Madonna fully clothed, mind you, did a great job. Number 2, I got Bull Durham. Bull Durham is probably one of the most realistic baseball movies out there in terms of the grind in the minor leagues. Is the action that great? No. But as a story, and the, the way it's acted, Costner did a great job. Tim Robbins did a great job. Susan Sarandon did a great job. All in all, I'm very pleased with that. And number one, I know we like to quote Major League Two a lot, but for me, Major League One is still the best of all time. I mean, this guy here is dead. Cross him <laughs> off then. Like, such a good movie. You may run like haze, but you hit like shit. I mean, it's... It, I could probably do, I probably quote that movie from start to finish right now. We only have, it's a time show, so we're not going to do that. But like, you can't, you don't have Major League Two without Major League One. And that movie is just, it's perfect. Uh, two, you know, two movies that I really, I tried to get on the list that I just couldn't was 61. Yes. And uh, for the love of the game, oh. I was, those are two. I mean, those those are two movies. I just couldn't get them on the list. And then runners up for me was Eight Men Out. Oh, such a good oh movie! Oh my god, Eight Men Out. Uh, the Babe. Oh, with Goodman. Uh, I mean, Goodman. Uh, I know you think it might be silly, but I I always like Summer Catch just because I remember the Cape League and I remember uh, you know that was one of my goals as a kid was trying to get to play for the Cape League and it just never happened. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned rookie of the year. I always, I little big league is a favorite of mine. It's not like a, it's not a top five, but I try to catch it every time it's on. But uh, man, there were so many good baseball movies though. And you're right. You know, field of dreams is, is yeah, it's a top movie. Bull Durham is a good, is a really good movie too. I just, uh, it's not something I try to catch every time it's on. Like the ones I mentioned were like, man, if it's on it, I, I want to watch it. Totally. It's one of those things that, you know, and I'm sure your list has evolved from when you were a kid to now. I mean, you have a longer attention span. You have more of an understanding of the game. That's why Moneyball is probably number one for you. I mean, like if you were if this was 15 year old D, Moneyball may not be your number one. So and that's no, the way, that's the yeah, thing. Like, probably Sandlot, probably Sandlot or um, 
I, I was a big Angels in the Outfield fan. And 61. I really like 61. Oh, like, 61 is such a good movie, even though, you know, we we found out later on about Mark McGuire and, and the crew. But still, to see just, you know, really the story behind Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. And then, you know, even Joe DiMaggio makes an appearance in the movie. Like, you know, as it, not, not really Joe DiMaggio, but the story behind the relationship Joe DiMaggio had with Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford, mm-hmm. his involvement in the whole thing. It was just, yeah, it was cool to see that, you know, on the screen. And not even like, and we're not even discounting some of the older baseball movies too, like Bang the Drum Slowly. Another great movie. I mean, Robert De Niro as a catcher, you know, it's just like, okay, like there have been, that's the thing. There, there have been so many that yeah. you can't even, like Cobb. The HBO movie from Cobb uh, Cobb is a good one. one. Cobb's a good movie. We can talk about this right now. We can come up with like a dozen more that we didn't even put in our like top tens, let alone top fives. How could you not get romantic about baseball? I mean, it's just what it is. It's perfection. And if you disagree with us, or even if you agree with us, hit us up. FadeRoutemail at gmail.com. Hit us up on IG. Hit us up on on, uh, Twitter. Let us know. Did you like it? What's your number one? No wrong answer. This is no, no wrong answer. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.